When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Know what's happening? It's 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 time to get in the huddle with Carl Duke, Brian Baldinger, and Jason Lacanfora. Back for another edition of In the Huddle, guys. Carl Dukes put him up along with my man Jason Lacanfora. Of course, Brian Baldinger, a part of this podcast as well. He'll join us on Thursday. And Jason, crazy stuff going on in the NFL. And last night we had two Monday night games as we record this podcast on Tuesday. And I kind of want to just start there because there were two things that jumped yeah. out, out out at me. Um, and they're two similar situations but different. One is Will Levis bringing the Titans back to beat the Dolphins. Down two scores with under four minutes to play. And he executes, does big-time things. This is his only, I think, his sixth career start since he yeah. took over uh, with the Titans. And I was just thoroughly impressed, Jason. Nine plays, 75-yard drive, uh, a minute 54. They convert the two-point conversion. And the Dolphins, you know, it was almost like I get the Tyreek Hill injury, and we'll discuss that. But it's like, you know, the quarterback play in this game. Will Levis made a huge mistake pitching the ball to to, uh, uh, to Derrick Henry. He fumbles. And, and I just thought the kid overcame, and it showed me a lot. Yeah. Then the other Monday night game, we had Tommy DeVito <laughs> leading a game-winning drive. Cutlets. They, yeah. They've got three consecutive wins right now. So let's talk about these Monday night games because it was crazy last night. Yeah. I, I, I don't know where to start in Miami. I, I kind of feel like maybe we need to start with Dolphins because it took two to tango in this one. Sure. And I, I, I mean, you – okay, look. Tyreek Hill's a special player. Totally understand that. You know, the pace he's on, pretty unprecedented. But but he's one of 11, and he's one of 50, 53, or in this case, whatever, game day 45. Like, for that injury to have so, like, flipped them off their axis, right, and got them so, like, nothing looked right from a pace Timing, execution standpoint, nothing looked right about that offense without him. And it was almost like they had never played or practiced without him. Um, <laughs> you know, like they needed him for energy. They needed him to get lined up quickly. They needed him, like, so that, that like, I'm a Dolphin fan. I, I, I found that a little troubling. And then defensively, look, we're, we're – Heck of a day from Will Levis, but like there wasn't a whole lot that we'd seen in the Will Levis sample outside of the first half of the first game he played where it was bombs away at home and he caught everybody surprise, surprise. From halftime to that point on, this version of comeback Will Levis, I didn't know he existed. And I don't think the Titans knew he existed. He existed. Hell, I'm not sure Will Levis knew he existed. And Vic Fangio's defense was so complicit in this as well. I mean, not defending the boundary, not funneling people into the middle of the field, not tackling, not 
being alert. And then McDaniel goes into this weird shell. It's like, yeah. Do you like? I know you're a really smart guy, but do you understand how this clock works and how timeouts work? Like, instead of going at home for the kill shot, right? They 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 kind of do this in between thing where they don't bleed the clock enough. Like he's playing it safe, but maybe not as totally safe as he should have. I don't know what they were trying to accomplish on the second to last offensive possession that they had, but that was miserable. And then back comes the defense and now they're going to lay an egg too. The question we have about this Dolphins team is what do they do when the stakes are highest, right? Mm -hmm. What do they do when it's do or die? You know, what do they do when it turns out to be not the perfect day to play pitch and catch, right? And go out and, and hit golf balls or, you know, uh, you're not on the driving range anymore, guys, right? We're now, it's the 18th hole of the Masters, and it's windy, and it's rainy, and you've got to come from behind. What do you what do you look like in those conditions, you know? Are you a mutter? This didn't, this didn't quell any of that, you know? It, it, it did not quell any of that. This Titans team had been so bad on the road. I mean, maybe the most extreme home road splits for a team in its totality from what they've done in Nashville versus what they've done everywhere else, including London. So, yeah, I, I think think you have to wonder if the Dolphins are really ready for that next step, which is not just getting to the playoffs, but being a factor in the playoffs. And that's a team um, that I think absolutely needed every creature comfort. Comfort, you know, creature comfort possible. And boy, they better, you know, they better prove me wrong and come up to Baltimore in a couple of weeks and beat the Ravens up there. Cause if they yeah. don't, uh, a, not only are they not going to be the one seed, but look out for the Buffalo bills. You may not even win the division. It's true. It's true. Um, the, the, the Levis thing is interesting only because I think they found their guy. Um, you know, they were done with Tannehill when they made the decision to move on. And and I think they found their guy. The DeVito thing, this is their third consecutive win. Listen, the Giants were dead. Okay. They were dead. And I I believe right now from what I'm seeing, okay, I don't know about all of this and the family and the cutlets and all of that. All I know is this guy has some moxie and yes. And and I'm going to say this. He's better than Daniel Jones. I'm going to yeah. tell you, he's better than Daniel Jones. And they just cut Daniel Jones a big check. I would rather run DeVito out there and have this energy, Jason, than what they had with Daniel Jones. Well, I, I certainly think for, like, it reminds I, I'm going to go back to when Purdy took over. Not okay. the Purdy that we have now, who we now see, you know, as an envy. But, like, when Purdy took over, it's like, can we just get somebody who's going to stabilize this thing, right, who's going to be available? Because Daniel Jones has been in and out, injury, right? And then Terod took over for a second, and then he was hurt. So can we just get somebody who's available, who's going to be able to take every rep in practice, take every rep in games, and can we just find a foundation, some stability we can build from, right? So it kind of reminds me of that. And then he makes a few plays, and you're like, okay. Now, this kid runs around a little more than Purdy. I mean, it's a little more – it's different. It's off script. Yes. 
it's not, you know, the perfect vessel for Kyle Shanahan's human joystick. It, it's it's a little different than that. And I don't think he's going to be Purdy. I don't think he can, I don't think his ball placement is accuracy. I don't think all that's Purdy. But I just feel like he's the perfect guy for this situation where it was all crumbling down and and who can kind of stop the bleeding. And now in terms of upside, we'll continue to find out more about that. But it, it's brought out, to your point, the defense plays with more energy now. The defense feels like it's not the end of the world every offensive drive. Like, he kind of just has this, this like, you know, I don't give a bleep vibe. And they're all <laughs> responding to it. You know, a lot of times a kid, especially a kid with that background, um, on that stage might just pee down his leg. This guy's going to – he's going to let it all hang out. Um and that's that's exactly what they needed. And they're a, a weird little dangerous team right now. Um, like, again, I'm going to go to the other side of the ball. You know, man, there were a lot of people who were calling, you know, putting Jordan Love there with, you know, Favre, yeah. Rogers, Love. Like, that yeah. was happening. That was happening everywhere, you know? And look, my take on this game, I thought this would be an under game. I thought it would be an ugly game. And my best bet in this game was Jordan Love to throw an interception, which they were giving you plus money on in the middle of the week. Um, And he could have thrown three in this game easy, you know. And then you also had the fumble. Um, That's a different ask, man. Now they're expected to win. Now they're a road favorite. Now the, the weight of the playoffs is on his shoulder. And there's, you know, Watson's out. and. Jones is out. Yeah. How do you, you know, make you guys I, better? Yeah. yeah like, I, I get it. You beat the Chargers. You beat the Chiefs at home. You did. And you're in this thing. And a lot of people think you're going to be in this thing. But, like, the idea that he's going to be going on the road in December and gunslinging it around and winning, you know, he came out of that game. didn't. I mean, I came into that game. Didn't look right. He was missing checkdowns. Like, nothing looked like this portrait that had been painted of him after the last three starts. Now. They go home, probably win a couple more games at home. But, like, do I think Jordan Love is ready to put a team into the playoffs? Um, no, I, 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 I don't. And that's fine. That's okay. He hasn't, he hasn't started a ton of games. And that's still not a great roster. I just felt like there was this, you know, prevailing sentiment out there that the Packers quarterback pixie dust has now dropped on him. You know, and so – Put him in the hierarchy of great quarterbacks, you know? He's arrived. Okay, yeah. that was a nice win again at prime time against the Chiefs at home. This is a little different. This is a little different ask when everybody, you know, the whole country thinks you're going to win on the road um, and the Giants have nothing to lose. So, yeah, I just think we probably need to pump the brakes a little bit on, you know, this whole Jordan Love and what, what, um, his upside could be immense, and he does some great stuff. But there's, there's, as you saw last night, there's still a lot that needs to be polished up as well. Yeah, it's a valid point. And Jason, I'll say this too. You know, these are the spots that the great ones. Okay, if you're going to be a great one, you go into this game down Watson, down all the. Screw the circumstances. We're going to win. That's what the great ones do in these spots. They don't have a letdown. And, and this has happened a couple of different times with Jordan this year on the road where you went, oh, look at the Packers. Look how good they're doing. 
And then they go on the road and they lay an egg and, and wet the bed. And so I, I'm with you. I think last night was more of maybe who he is than the other side of it, where he looks great and everything is laid out for him. Like, this is a game to me, despite what I what you think of Aaron Rodgers. He would have went on the road and won that game last night with backups, right? You know, Favre would have went on the road and won that game with backups, despite what you think of it. Like, that is the difference for me with Love, even though he shows those glimpses of, look how great I can be. Uh, it is in the huddle, guys. Subscribe, like us, tell your friends. Don't miss an episode. We talk all things NFL. Jason Lock on four, Brian Baldinger, myself, Carl Dukes. And we have a great time. We appreciate you guys making us one of the top podcasts um, as we continue this journey to, to cover the NFL and, and have these conversations. I, I just want to talk about what a shit show the NFC South is, Jason. So <laughs> the, Falcons, <laughs> the Falcons went into Sunday's game. All they had to do was win, and they would have had sole possession of first place. After losing to Tampa Bay, in only the way the Falcons could possibly lose. Uh, the Bucks, the Falcons, and now the Saints are all tied at six and seven. And with four games remaining, this is anybody's division at this point. It's going to be a division which whoever wins it, remember, they're going to host a home game for the playoffs. Oh, yeah. And it may be a nine-win team now. I mean, I don't know if any of these teams get three more <laughs> yeah. wins. But yeah. it may be an eight or nine-win team. And just just the idea, this is the worst division in, in the NFL this year. It's not even close. Uh, the Carolina Panthers have already been eliminated from the playoffs at 1-12. Uh, the Falcons go to Carolina this week. They still have a road game, uh, a road game against the Saints. The point is, guys, this has been a complete cluster. And nobody wants to take control of this division. No, Derek Carr hasn't been great. Ritter has been a turnover turnover disaster, um, and I think the kid can play, but the turnovers have killed him. And then you talk about Baker Mayfield. I mean, this is – I don't even know where to what, – what, like what to think about where this is going to go the next four weeks. Well, here's all you need to know. All four coaches are under consideration to be fired. And only one of them is going to get that home game. And even whoever gets that home game will probably be embarrassed in that home game. And um, you have to wonder about the job security of all of them. Um, that's just the reality. Those conversations are taking place. Um, I'm not sold on Dennis I, Allen, by the way, in, in, with the Saints. Uh, uh, Dennis Allen's career record is like, 20 and 45 as a head coach. Like, no, Dennis Allen is definitely like coaching for his job. They all are. Um, I, 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 I'd like to say I can't figure the Falcons out, but I, I thought they'd probably find a way, like, even at home to have some of their worst tendencies boil over. Um, I don't really, I mean, none of these teams do anything particularly well. The Saints have a really good passing defense most of the time, you know, and the Falcons have a pretty, you know, good running defense. Um, but yeah, none of them have the the quarterback that they need. Um, most of these quarterbacks won't be back. Um, I don't think any of them have a future in this league as a starter. So you can kind of, you know, that's that's that that'll 
that's the root of a lot of issues here. You think um, Carr ends up somewhere else next year? You think they're they're going to move on from him? I think they might be stuck with him for another year, but they're drafting a quarterback like there's yeah. or, or they're trading for for Fields or they're trading for Kyler Murray. Like their quarterback next year, um, even if he's around on a restructured deal or whatever, there's going to be somebody 25 or younger who's the future quarterback of the Saints on that roster and probably playing sooner rather than not obviously if it's fields or murray they're playing from day one um and i don't know who's gonna i don't know who is gonna win this thing like who plays the panthers the most that might be the team that like who has the most games left with the panthers but the thing about the panthers is as horrible as they've been and they've been horrible like they've only played eight road games you know what i mean like the panthers have only played five home games they're one and four at home like it's not as bad as zero and eight and the games have been closer at home. Like Atlanta's going to Carolina. Desmond Ritter on the road this year completes 59.7% of his passes for 146 yards a game, two touchdowns, two interceptions. That's all That's all season. I know he sat for a minute for Heineke. 76.8 rating on the road. I don't have faith in Arthur Smith to really manage a game all that well. I don't know if he just gets too cute at times. I, I – I don't understand their red zone Jason, philosophies. I, I, I this think team coughs the ball up in the red zone. Why don't you just keep it simple, stupid? I, I don't know. Well, that was I, I, sometimes he overthinks it. He just, to your point, he overthinks it. How many of these coaches have we seen in our careers that overthink it? Good. They know what they're doing. They have a philosophy, but then they get in these situations and they overthink it and then they blow it. That We've seen it time and time again. Yeah, it's tough to figure, like, and then I think Tampa, like, if you, you know, nobody would pay to see this, but if you did, like, an NBA in-season tournament just with this division and they all played each other in a round robin while everybody else is playing the real season, <laughs> like, if you did that, Carl, I think Tampa would win <laughs> a hypothetical NFC South in-season tournament. Um, But they had, like, they're in a stretch where this will be their sixth road game in the last eight weeks. No buy in between. Mm. That's crazy. Yeah. You know what I mean? I feel like that, like that's a tough schedule for it. Six road games in an eight game span, including mm. like some long travel, like San Francisco back to Tampa. So I kind of feel like they're winning that game. And then, all right, they're, they, they're, they got going on the road again. And now this is like the end of that six and eight. I almost feel like, Maybe they hit their stride, you know what I mean? Late, yeah. They survived this ridiculous stretch of their schedule. And like they go to Tampa, like, I mean, they, they go to Green Bay this weekend. Like, if they find a way to win that game, they're gonna, I think they're gonna win that. Then they get a bunch of home games down the stretch and people coming to them. Like, I think this is a shot here. Um, for them maybe to muck that game up, you know, a ton of Rashad White, even if it's 2.5 a carry, and they don't they don't seem to care about it. They're going to get the ball in his hands in a game like this 30 times. You know, can Mike Evans make a couple of plays in the in the red zone and come back from a bad week last week? Um, I think that game, like, as much as it's only one team in that division playing it, I think if Tampa wins that game, they're going to win the division. And then they're going to lose in the playoffs, and I think Todd Bowles is going to be out anyway. So I, I, if, if that's the scenario, all four, I think all four in the, the coaches in that division could be gone. 
It's ugly, guys. NFC South, uh, again, three-way tie. Technically, the Bucks are in first place based on their schedule right now. Let's talk about the whiny babies that the Chiefs showed us that they are. I was as disappointed in Patrick Mahomes as I've been since he started his career. I've been a Mahomes fan. Uh, I think he is the best quarterback when you talk about game on the line and needing plays and there's nobody I'd rather have on the field. And he's a Super Bowl champion. And if he probably quit tomorrow, he might probably already be a Hall of Famer. Yeah. But what the hell was that, Jason? What what was that with Mahomes and Andy Reid? Dude, you make $50 million a year, okay? This is where you are the bigger guy. This is where you just take it. And if privately you want to go in on the league, and if you want to call Roger Goodell, you do it. But I thought it was just a terrible look for the Chiefs, Jason. Horrible. Um, Beneath them, should be beneath them, apparently not beneath them. Um, I I thought it was shameful on a lot of levels. And and I'm a huge Mahomes guy as well. And um, I have never really criticized him. There's been nothing to criticize him for. He's been a tremendous ambassador for this league. Um, he, He plays with fire and emotion, but he's a guy who had everybody's respect. You can tell the way other people on other teams react to him. He's been incredible for this league. And the thing that I pointed out a lot leading up to his drafting and a lot of what my coverage of that draft and and talking to him and his dad and his uh, godfather, Latroy Hawkins, um, leading up to that draft, you could tell that this kid understood all that goes into being a professional athlete and particularly a quarterback better than most because he spent his entire life running around major league clubhouses and not just the same one because his dad bounced around. Like he understood all the stuff that comes with this besides just all the stuff it takes to be ready to play every week and what you put your body through and what you put your mind through and how you prepare. But it's also um, your leadership, right? Like that your words matter, that your actions matter. Like all that stuff was wrote to him so he is better than this and and what i think this is carl is a window into their football soul right now they're Mm. telling you who they are and more to the point they're telling you that they know who they are which is a team that isn't going anywhere without everything falling exactly their way and guess what this year that's not the way it's going down i they, they were telling you that they needed arrowhead And they know they needed Arrowhead. Like, they need to be home. This all needs to come to us. Everything's got to be on our terms because we're not good enough to overcome much. And in this case, it wasn't overcoming the officials. It was overcoming a boneheaded player doing boneheaded things that he's been doing since college. That was why he couldn't find the right shoes to wear to practice with the New York Giants, right? Like, that's a thing. That happened. Like, he was a losing football player when you got him. You didn't have to use him that much last year. You won despite him, but he still dropped balls, ran the wrong routes, did a lot of losing football things. And this year, you needed him even more. You didn't get better around him, right? Your whole your offensive line got worse. Your run game, especially the first two months of the season, got worse. And you needed him more. And he came up small every time, including – the first game of the year where he can't catch a ball that becomes a pick six for the Lions the other way. He's not a winning player, and you're in winning time, and he's on the field. He's not on the sidelines. 
seeing if somebody else lined up wrong. He's lined up wrong. Why? Because you get Aries Tony. That's exactly what you got. That's why you got him as cheap as you got him, despite him being drafted as high as he was. Don't, don't, no, shut up. Stop whining. Stop crying. You, you sound like a bunch of fools. Like, the, this is how you deal with adversity the first time? Like, you, if you finally hit adversity six years into this thing, and this is how you respond? Nah, man, they know they're not it. They know it ain't it. They know the answers are not within. They're letting you know with this whole ridiculous display. Um, four losses in six games. First time in, what, 10 games where they've lost, you know, followed yep. a, a loss with a loss. And for it to come at Arrowhead, no. This is, this is not their year. They're not flipping a switch. This isn't going to galvanize them. They were showing you with their pouting and their whining and their crying that they know it's over in terms of them getting anywhere close to where we expect them to be. Um, and, man, wouldn't it be something if Sean Payton caught these guys? Yeah. Ooh-wee. Yeah. You're right about Ooh-wee. that. Ooh-wee. Well, they're only a game back. I mean, they're only a game back. And, and the other part of this is, so they win the Super Bowl, right? And everybody said, oh, look, they didn't need Tyreek Hill. Eh? Yeah. Eh-eh. Okay, you know, I mean, so it, it, they're they're in trouble. Uh, there's no doubt, and it, it goes beyond, as Jason said, the, the the game last, you know, the game the other night. It's it's bigger than that. And I've never, by the way, Jason, you've been covering the league 20, 20 years, twenty five years. I've never heard Andy Reid do. I've never heard Andy Reid do what he did the other night. Not one time. Yeah. Uh, no, look, I, I covered you know for five years. I covered the the Washington team that had a slur as a nickname at the time and got to know Andy Reid a lot, covered a lot of Andy Reid and was Andy Reid preseason and Andy Reid postseason. And uh, I have tremendous respect for Andy Reid. I mean, you'll never really, I mean, I, I look, I, I was telling people when he left Philadelphia, like, I, I get it. You never won with him, but he, he could go to the Hall of Fame right now. And he's going to go down as one of the five best coaches in the history of this game. And he's managed to do to top everything he did in Philadelphia in Kansas City. Like you look at those those two runs in their totality, like that's next level stuff. To have done it in each conference in two different cities, to be that good, you know what I mean? To be the the unquestioned best coach in the history of that franchise, two storied franchises. Um, but no, it's a terrible look for him. And look, there's certain guys that you fall on your sword for, right? And you go over the top and you try to change the narrative. Oh, oh, of course he lines up offsides. He lines up offsides all the time. He doesn't really know how to properly check with the official. But but it's on them because he's a guy you have to babysit even more. And the part nobody's talking about is how many people are on the Chiefs' sidelines. Take the officials out of it. What do you have, 30 people on the Chiefs' sidelines? Yeah. Who's looking out for it? Right, where's your quality control guy? Where's somebody in the booth? You know what I mean? Where's your Stanford and MIT kids? who tell you whether to challenge or not. What do you have them looking for in situations like that? Like, you guys should have known. Like, it's not out of character for this guy at all. I'll tell you what else bothered me about this. We're talking about the Chiefs and their crybaby uh, cry tendencies the other night. I know Mahomes and, and, and Josh Allen have a relationship off the field. But when they met at midfield, right, and they're, they're – 
Mahomes is bitching to, to Josh Allen about the call. And I'm like, bro, what do you like? What do you want me to do? Like, it was a weird moment. And I know Mahomes has come out because people are going to see this podcast and they're going to go, oh, you know, you guys, you didn't see Mahomes apologize. We get it. It's not that. To Jason's point, this is the first time he's had adverse, real adversity. And this is how he reacted. So we're responding to it. But I, I get it. He said it wasn't a great example for the kids that were watching. And he was still hot. And he shouldn't have done it. I understand all of that. But it happened. And so, uh, but yeah, Jason, I didn't understand that part of it. Like, cover your mouth, right? Like these guys do. Bro, I'll call you. I'll text you. This was complete crap. But he's out there just fussing out loud so everybody can hear him while he's like, you know, supposed to be congratulating Josh on the win. It was just a weird kind of deal. But uh, we'll see what they do. I mean, these next four weeks are going to be interesting. And I'm I'm here to tell you guys right now. I don't think the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, okay? I don't think the Chiefs win the Super Bowl this year. I just don't. No. No. Uh, no. They're, they're, this, is, this is who they are. And as great as Andy Reid and, and Patrick Mahomes are, I just don't think they can sit in the lab and, and concoct a, you know, a script to get themselves to, to, to change the nature of this team, to change their DNA. They better get Pacheco back. Like, they, they desperately need – yeah, a power run game. They've got to be a time of possession team right now. There's, they have to play the strength of that defense. Um, and I don't think there's no egos there. Like I don't think Mahomes has a problem with that. I don't think Andy Reid has a problem with that. It's not about that. And I don't expect people to be perfect. Um, and again, Patrick Mahomes, man, has been an incredible example. Ninety-nine point nine percent of the time. But it was in this moment and how persistent it was and how in lockstep they were. That I, I again, I don't think it's revealing so much about them. That they're 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 pillars of the game. They're both first ballot Hall of Famers. Correct. Everybody's allowed to have bad moments. I just think that was them displacing their anger <coughs> and projecting it onto officials because what it was really about is them in their mind hitting that point where they know we're not good enough. Yeah. We didn't get better. We're not going to get better. Like we couldn't score twenty at home, you know what I mean? When 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 twenty gets us to overtime, at least. Like I think it was more about what it said about the twenty twenty three Kansas City Chiefs than what it said about Kadarius Tony or that official, you know what I mean, or any of that BS. This was them telling you, we ain't it this year. We don't. We we're not. It. We're not we it. it. All right, let's talk about. Uh... The Bengals and the Browns, because they are interesting. Backup quarterbacks, Jake Browning stepping up. Hell, I didn't even know where Joe Flacco was two weeks ago, okay? I mean, yeah, honestly. Like, on his couch, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I had no idea. But he comes out, Jason, this dude was slinging the rock like he was 23 years old again, oh, you yeah. know? So the Browns now, uh, I think, with him, have a real shot with that defense yeah. to do something. And here are the Bengals, who, again, we thought, I did. Listen, Joe Burrow, I'm a huge Burrow dude. He's done. They're done. And Jake Browning has stepped in and done a really good job. The Ravens guys, to me, and I've been saying this to Jason, and he, he covers that team. He's there. And I've been saying, I think they're the best team. And Jason gives me week in and week out. Here's what I'm concerned about. And I was thinking about you all day Sunday as that game played out because I kept saying, no Mark Andrews. No Mark Andrews. 
And it, it ties into this division, guys, with the Bengals, Browns, and Ravens. And I mean, Lamar, dude, he, he oh, did amazing. what he did what amazing. I have been concerned about, which is you said it. What's he gonna do with no Andrews? Who does he go to? How does how do they score points? Long story short, let's talk Bengals, let's talk Browns, let's talk Ravens. Um look, the, the Bengals right now are are as loosey goosey as any team in the league. Like they're frisky. Like you don't want to play them right now. Um and, and look, the Browning, like Browning isn't this isn't Tyler Badgett, this isn't Tommy Cutlets. Like this kid was five star in California. You know what I mean? Like this kid was big time, like big time talent. Um and people develop at different stages, and you know, the his college career didn't go, I'm sure, exactly as he would like. And then you kind of get stuck in this cycle of bouncing around from teams and practice squads and, you know, Tuesday workouts and all that. But, like, there's some clay to mold there, and he's got really good pieces around him. Like, this yeah. is, a, a, you know, I mean, he's got guys who can make plays for him. And, like, Zach Taylor, man, he's calling the game like there's no tomorrow. And it's bringing out the best, not just in the offense, but in a defense that had been – not up to snuff for most of the season. Um, I, I look this one to me was a little more even impressive than the, what they did in Jacksonville, because Jacksonville it was just kind of like third and long, throw it up, throw it up for Jamar Chase. You know what I mean? See what Jamar Jamar didn't do anything in this game. Jamar had one catch early in the game. He did nothing for three quarters. Had another catch late, but this was like Irvin here and Hudson there, and you know, like it was mixing like it. It was it, it it was a little different to me, and I, I almost found it a little more impressive. It wasn't just you know trips on one side, Jamar on the other side. I'm throwing it, you know what I mean? I'm I'm going to try to get Jamar in a one on one or a one on two, and I'm going to throw it up to him down the sideline, and either he's going to catch it or it's going to end up you know on, on, on somebody's bench. Um, I, I yeah, like. He's playing – He's. I mean, his completion percentage is elite. His processing has looked elite. Um, and, again, he's spreading the ball around. He's finding the right guy in the right spot. It's not just about um, a million targets to one guy. And then the Flacco thing, like this guy still has an elite arm. He still throws a great deep ball. He's more he, – look, he's not – like, he's athletic enough, and he's still athletic enough that in certain situations he can buy himself a little bit more time. He's still fearless, and he has some weapons. And you look at Elijah Moore, and those two were together with the Jets. Like, that's the thing now. And, and Joku in big spots downfield is, is a thing now. Like, I thought that might be 20 targets a game to Amari Cooper. You know what I mean? And if he catches four deep balls, it hasn't been that. It, it hasn't been. It's been more of a balanced offense. And now they're they're throwing the ball so much better on early downs that you're starting to see the run game come around a little bit more, even without Chubb, right? And I think yep. it's been, you know, this has been far better for Hunt uh uh and the other running back than it than you know the whole DTR or or you know PJ Walker thing was. The, 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 my problem with the Browns is the defense ain't what it was in September. It's not even close. And it's one thing 
if you're giving up 28 a game on the road. But now you're, you're doing it at home and you're doing it to Jacksonville at home on a week for the quarterback. You know, it's a short week for the quarterback and he's got a high ankle sprain. Like, I thought the Browns would win. I didn't think, you know, Jacksonville would be flirting with 30 points with the ball in their hands late. So I'm a little worried about the Browns' defense and 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 they're it's, not playing they're, at the level they were. Yeah, they're leaking, Jason. You're right. Like, the first six weeks of the season, they had, like, the best secondary. They hadn't given up 200 yards passing and all this stuff. Miles was getting to the quarterback. They're leaking a little bit. They're, they're, they they got to put out some of these fires on defense. Yeah, but with Blacko, they've got the big play element there, and nothing's going to phase him. Nothing's going to rattle him. He's been there, done that. He's a cold-weather quarterback. He's won games in Cleveland. He owned Cleveland when he was in Baltimore. Um so, yeah, it's a pretty interesting story. And, again, he's feeling pretty good because, you know, he didn't go through any of the BS. Like, even training camp or getting beat up in a preseason game because he would have played in some preseason games. He's got none of that tread on his tire right now. So, that they're, they're an interesting team. I mean, they're much more interesting to me now than if, you know, if they were still trying to win games, you know, 12-9 with Walker or uh, – or DTR. So, yeah, I mean, one of those Ohio teams is probably getting in. I mean, and, and you know, maybe both of them. Uh, Cincinnati's AFC record isn't great. They're going to have to run the table. But, like, them beating the Colts is a big deal. Like, the Colts really, really needed that game. Yeah. And they suffocated the Colts. I mean, you know, the Colts had the pick six. That was their biggest – you know, play of the game. Like offensively, they they really tamped them down, and it was a really good showing from the Bengals' defense. So if they can ratchet it up a little bit on that side of the ball, yeah, I mean, it's – and, like, the Steelers aren't totally dead, you know? Like, they're not. Like, could the Steelers run the table? I mean, they could. They had a horrible five days. Could they run the table? Yeah, this division's like the opposite of the NFC South. And then the Ravens <laughs> – look – Lamar Jackson, what he did on Sunday, I was there um, with my son, my youngest, and uh, it was his first game, and he couldn't pick the better one. Oh, wow. Lamar accounts for almost 400 yards of offense. I mean, he runs for over 70, throws for over 300. Um, The comeback drive at the end uh, to get that thing, to give them the lead, and, and, you know – the defense, though, in the fourth quarter gave it up, and they do in the fourth quarter a lot, and that thing got to overtime, you know, and they were picking on Marlon Humphrey, and you can run on the Ravens. I mean, as great as that defense is, even bad teams run on them. You know, Cincinnati doesn't run on many teams. Cincinnati ran on them. The Cardinals ran on them without Connor. Like, I worry about that. Um, and and Kyron Williams ran all over them. I think they came out and ran the ball the first nine plays, Carl. Like, that was – Sean McVay sent a message to that defense. Right, he ran for nine and then like threw for six straight and carved them up. <laughs> um, and look, the Ram, the Rams, bro, the Rams are legit. They Matt are Stafford good right now. Matt Stafford's playing like a top five, not top ten, top five quarterback right now. And the offensive line is legit. And Cooper Cup's legs are back under him. And this Nakua kid, he hit the rookie wall. He's bounced back from it. He's on the other side of it. Like. Stafford yep. is making big boy throw after big boy throw after big boy throw. And the defense, I think, is good and good enough, certainly good enough to beat most NFC teams. Like, 
look out for the Rams, man. Like McVay has them believing, and the Rams, that very easily could have been a comeback win for the Rams. Um, And that wasn't a great day. 10 a.m. start for them on the East Coast against the number one defensive football. Ravens coming off a bye. Windy, rainy, slick, a dome team who plays on fake turf, on messy, mucky, wet, soggy grass, muddy. Hey, they, they showed something, man. Like the Rams, since that bye, they're a totally different team. Like, look I out think, for the Rams. I think this is Sean McVay's best coaching job. This is supposed to, this is supposed to be a rebuild, right? I yeah. mean, you, you, oh, yeah. you, you let all those salaries go. You traded away Ramsey. You're trying to move guys. And I, I think this is his best job. And by the way, those three wide receivers, guys, they're all fifth-round picks. Nikula, Puka, Puka Nikula, all those guys that are making catches are all fifth-round picks. And and Jared Goff is making them look like first-round picks. You know what exactly. I mean? Yeah. And so uh, it's it's crazy. Uh, that division is wide open. I mean, the Ravens are in control. But, but to your point about the Bengals, the Browns, and the Steelers, I have no idea. I cannot wait until till the the end of this season to say, hey, these last four weeks. Jason, before we get out of here, a couple of things. What do the Eagles need to do to get right? Um, do you do you start Marcus Mariota and give Jalen Hurts a couple of weeks off? No, that's ridiculous. I mean, that, stop. This stop. is what they were talking about in Philly. Well, like, one guy. Crazy. I mean, one guy did it. You know, like, uh, one guy. I mean, nobody else is espousing this. Well, listen, you, I, I, you know how I feel about Marcus Mariota. I did. I, I have no I mean, like, impression. Like, Jalen Hurts is not like – dude, they shut Jalen Hurts down last year when they built up a big enough lead to shut him down and he had a legitimate injury. Like, everybody's beat up. Is Jalen Hurts 100%? No. But, like, Jalen Hurts came out of that game – that came into that game steamrolling people on the ground. Like, yeah. Yeah, no, that that's that is ludicrous and ridiculous. And I mean, they've got the Seahawks. That uh, guy, they should shut his brother down. Is the one who should be shut down. His brother who's in and out of games all the time. They should just play Jameis Winston and they'd win the division going away. That's what they should do. <laughs> the Seahawks. Uh, they are. They, they are at the Seahawks. They're coming off yeah. two L's. What do they do? They need to play. They need to stop playing teams that have Super Bowl uh, aspirations, which they they get that now. Um, look, the fumbles in that game were huge. I mean, that's three red zone possessions erased. Uh, you think of all the time of possession, you know, keeping the ball out of Dallas's hands, all the plays, all the like clay to mold offensively that they lost from those fumbles, and it was their three, you know, three of their best players who who did it. Um, you know that that can't happen. I really felt like, look, if you're looking for positives, the defense bowed up in the second half, and it was pretty much all field goals from the Cowboys. You know, um, I feel like the the defense took things personally after getting whipped by the the 49ers and getting whipped by Dallas in the first half of this game. I felt like they did a better job of containing C.D. Lamb um, in the slot. That's been a problem for him all year. Uh, I felt like Dallas Goddard coming back was a big little bit of a boost, and you saw them work in the middle of the field more. You know, and it's it's not just the two receivers, you know, outside the, you know, on the boundary, outside the hash marks. Um, you know, them showing the commitment to run the ball with Jalen Hurts. Now, once the game got a little away from them and they had to get pass happy, that was a different, 
you know, it, it changed. But I think having, you know, leaning back into that, and I think you'll probably see even more of that option football, you know, him and Swift and 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 Gainwell or Boston, whoever, playing around with the mesh point, making you defend the quarterback more in the run game. Like, I think that's coming. Nobody's sitting him, but that's coming. Yeah. Uh, and I think they'll be fine. I, I really do. Like, this was always going to be a really challenging stretch. It exposed some of their warts. You know, I think Leonard being in there will help. Um, you know, having a little more depth at tight end will help. Um, and I know this about the Eagles. Since Jalen Hurts took over as their starter and was solidified in the middle of the 20, was at the middle of the 2021 season, they beat the teams they're supposed to beat in the regular season. You know what I mean? Like, maybe they don't do it as sexy as you want all the time, but they do it. And I think they'll continue to do that. And I think we're getting to the NFC playoffs. And it'll come down to San Francisco and and, and Philadelphia. Yeah. And if that game's in Santa Clara and it looks like it's going to be in Santa Clara, then Godspeed. Godspeed to anybody. I don't think anybody in that conference is going to San Francisco and, and beating them in the playoffs. Yeah. I don't think that's happening. You know, can you get them out of there? I mean, maybe. Maybe they'll stub their toe. I mean, they got Arizona this week. Even if they don't play their best game, right? Even if it's kind of like last week where it's it ebbs and flows, they're still going to win that game and probably win it comfortably enough. Uh, so I don't know if you're going to be able to catch them or not. You know, Baltimore goes out there Christmas Day. Maybe they'll help somebody out in the NFC. I got it. Um, so that's that's the deal for everybody there. You know, everybody, you know, has got to figure out a way in that conference to win in Santa Clara with the season on the line. And, and that's going to be a tough ask. Guys, it's in the huddle. Subscribe, follow us, and make sure you check us out on YouTube at In the Huddle Pod. Jason Lock on four, Carl Dukes, and of course Brian Baldinger. Baldy will be here Thursday. Um, the season's winding down, but it's the most interesting time of the year. And as things play out and the playoffs shape out, shape up, we're going to be talking about it with you guys. Certainly find us on social media. Follow Jason. Read him in the Washington Post as well. What are you working on, by the way? Anything? Uh, anything big here? I got something coming out on Mike Tomlin. Uh, sorry, every people who want him out in Pittsburgh. Okay. A, you're nuts, and B, you're you know you're not going to get your way. Um, and uh, working on some stuff on this whole Flacco saga as well. Uh, it's kind of crazy to me that the Browns didn't just sign him to their active roster last week. Yeah. You know, after weird. the first game, like just get a contract done for the rest of the year. Stop messing around, you know, put some playoff incentives in there. Like, yeah. let's, let, why don't you step up? Um, so, yeah, a um, little bit of that. But uh, then there's always, you know, head coaching rumblings. Uh, which GMs are truly on the hot seat? That'll be in my my uh, upcoming column as well. So, yeah. Um, well, I can't wait to read the Tomlin thing. I uh, yeah. I'm a big I'm a big Mike T guy. I love, I, uh, I, I like I like Mike Tomlin a lot. But more to the point, the Roonies are, and that's all that really matters. <laughs> yes, it's true. All right, man, we got to get out of here, guys. We'll talk to you on Thursday. Uh, have a great day and enjoy the games this weekend. We'll talk to you on Thursday as we'll break down some of the games and talk from the betting angle as well uh, on Thursday with uh, our boy Nick Costos. Hey, man, have a great day, my friend. We'll see you guys soon. You too, buddy. Thank you. Twenty Four Hundred Sports is an Odyssey company.